welcome to another episode of Code for Thought. I'm Jacqueline Laird, the Communications Officer at the Software Sustainability Institute. On the podcast today, I'm speaking to SSI fellow Jesper Dramsch. Hi Jesper, welcome to the episode. Hi Jacqueline, thank you for having me. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself a bit about your job title and where you're based? So right now I'm a scientist for machine learning at the ECMWF, which is short for European Center for Medium Range Weather Forecasts, which um, is an international organization and research organization based out of Reading. And right now I'm in Bonn in Germany because we have a new uh, new office here and this is where I'm doing all my all my machine learning right now. Could you give us a bit of an overview into the plans you have for your SSI fellowship? Yeah, um, I so in in my research, I've seen a lot of applied scientists work with machine learning and show some really cool stuff. But I've seen some flaws in the methodology, especially in like reproducibility, but also in some of the validation. And that can um, be a problem scientifically, but also because the real viewers usually have more um, experience. That means that often papers may get rejected after already having done so much work or you get major revisions which is always tough because then you have to uh, do that on a deadline and as a as a student you can avoid a lot of that stress by um, doing proper validation and proper reproducibility with machine learning for these applied scientists so my plan is essentially setting up um, a workshop at one of the Python conferences. Um, right now I applied for EuroSciPy because essentially I want to go where the applied scientists already are, the people who are coding this stuff and yeah, give like a tutorial or a workshop, however the session is named, one of those longer sessions and make it interactive and um, basically do like the 80-20 of it and make it really easy for everyone to to just take these principles, take these tools as well and and implement them in their research and like not make their lives easy, uh, like not make their lives harder by, by saying you have to do this, but actually make it easier by taking away a lot of the stress and providing these tools that are readily available. You just have to know where they are and how to use them. And of course, I also write and I do YouTube and podcasts and all this mm -hmm. stuff, like communication about it, because... I, I love this stuff. I, I love machine learning and I want like science to progress with it because I see a lot of potential in it. Sounds like you're very busy. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> we'll we'll share all the links uh, to your many channels as well in the description for this podcast. Um, have there been any unexpected outcomes of the fellowship so far? I I'm not sure if it's Un unexpected because <laughs> the communication around this fellowship is very clear and like very broad so it's like um i i knew there would be like community events and there would be like outreach so it, it hasn't been unexpected but it has been very rewarding i'd say so like um having all those collaboration workshops and having all this that interaction with other people that are like super like into reproducibility and sustainability of software is amazing and i i'm not sure i'm not sure if there's like a direct um 
relationship no one has told me hey i'm reaching out to you because you're an ssi fellow but i'm sure it it helps in a way because now i have this official stamp of i'm affiliated with the ssi and people see like have this express statement of what i'm doing this entire year so they can invite me on a podcast i think uh i i was just invited to a seminar series where uh leo ueda uh, who's a fellow from 2020 i think was also invited so um i figured they're probably just going through the directory and looking at like uh geoscientists and looking who will who will come to their seminar series to teach phd something so i i figure there is something something happening definitely and like i've i've noticed that um like i'm getting more opportunities but i'm not sure if it's because of the ssi or if this is a nice side effect of having that added credential in my Twitter bio. So has the fellowship helped you to do more with your research than you would have otherwise? Yeah, this is this is a tricky one because my my research is focused on improving weather forecasts, on improving the operational model that we have in ECMWF, which is used to provide weather forecasts to like a bunch of states around around Europe and in adjacent areas. So um, I I would say it hasn't directly impacted that because that is more of research work. But of course, like knowing that I can now talk a little bit, a little bit more with a little bit more confidence about, no, we should make this research reproducible, um, gives me like some landed confidence from it, I'd say. But also everyone is really good about it because we we have to keep the code base clean already. So it's very easy to go in there. We have software people like we we have an ent- entire compute department that is all about making the software stack clean. Like we have pre-built Conda environments. I've never been anywhere where that was the case. And um, so I, I'm not sure if it if it's impacting my research in that way. But of course... Um, sneaking in some of the research into my communications around the SSI um, is is always beneficial. There's always some some oh yeah terrible business term, but there's always like synergy coming out of out of this stuff. When I talk about like make machine learning more reproducible, I can point to my research and say I've been doing this for for so many years. Look at this. I've I've done it in this, and you can reproduce this fairly easy. Um, so think in that way, but not not too direct, because I think I don't have to educate as much as others do that are just like trying to build it up in their uh, in their small university institutions where they're like, "What is this software sustainability thing?" Like I I have a much easier job, so the impact is also less on on my actual day to day. I would say. I'm sure a lot of the fellows be very jealous of your position. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so it's maybe more on a personal level. You said you mentioned um, having the confidence to to vouch for things, and obviously the connections you're making. That sounds like it's helping you out that way. Definitely, I I think that's like the main effect that it has on my like on my day to day life at the at the moment. So could you tell us a bit about your experience of applying for the fellowship? 
how you found the process. Um, was it your first time application? Was it a repeat application? And if you have any advice for future applicants? Yeah, definitely. Um, so it was my first application because I, I'm not great with deadlines. <laughs> so that's always an issue. Um, and I, I saw a couple of people in the Python space, essentially, like in the scientific Python space that I look up to that are SSI fellows. And that's kind of how I got the idea to apply as well, because usually I, I want to emulate what people I look up to do. So SSI fellow was like, I can apply for this and it, it aligns with what I do and what I stand for. So I should probably do this. And so I did. And I sent that in and it worked. <laughs> like, um, I, I find it hard to give advice because I, I always feel it's a little bit like of survivorship bias. Where I'm like, I made it, but there's no reason for me to say the things that I did worked. There may be things that I did very poorly that like reflected poor on, on my application that I think were great, but other things actually like pulled me out of the like negative space there in that evaluation. So I'm not sure, but I am fairly confident about my uh, application video because I try to make like a story out of it. And like, because I've, I've taken courses for YouTube and all that stuff, I'm, I'm fairly confident that I understand story a little bit. And like my advice would definitely be this six minute video um, should be something where you talk about things that add to, to the story of why you make a great fellow and why you would uh, support and further the goals of the SSI. And that's kind of kind of my my big thing where I think I did fairly well, and I I think a lot of people can also do well. Like write out a script so you stick within the six minutes, and use a little bit of editing because like I'm not getting all my stuff right. I use way too many filler words, and I I get lost in tangents a lot. Like my first video was 12 minutes long or something like that, and. Also, like prioritizing, like the stuff that I talked about in my video, most of it isn't the most impressive stuff. I I talked about one thing where I'm like, oh, yeah. And in 2011, 10 years ago, I talked to a professor about getting a software person. And that's like, that's not even an achievement, right? That's nothing to brag with. But it kind of tells the story of I have been doing this for a long time and thinking about like sustainability for a long time. So I think that that like runs like a red thread through your entire application video. And like then it it becomes much easier in the last part to talk about this. And this is what I want to do and why you should give me funding for for traveling to cool stuff to represent you. Um, because then people already have an idea of who you are, where you come from, what you stand for and then it's it's so easy to say, and this is why I want to give presentations, and this is why I want to build this community of these people because it's it's already like it comes fairly natural out of the story that you're already spinning, and I I guess that's like advice I'm I'm comfortable giving. Mm. Yeah, sounds like yeah, having your your structure really clearly planned out helps people follow your story. Definitely, and also like you have so much material online with advice on like 
technical advice, but also like take one minute in who you are, one minute how you how you came to be, and like literally read all the documentation, and you basically know exactly what the SSI expects of you. So it's like you're making it extremely easy to apply. You just have to follow the steps and like uh, add a little bit of personality in there, and then I think it's fairly like straightforward if you have something that that aligns with the with the goals of the SSI yeah it's been said that computational skills can be like a superpower does this resonate with you oh yeah absolutely in in so many ways actually because like I am a geophysicist by background I could be interpreting seismic data by hand um in in my life now but because i got so interested in code and then so interested in machine learning i am now in a very different uh stage in my life i'm not interpreting the seismic data i'm now modeling <laughs> i'm modeling the weather like i have no idea about the weather i barely look at the weather forecasts even and i'm i it has put my career on an entirely different trajectory but also in my my personal life like i um i have like small scripts that that do stuff for me like uh, i i use espanso for uh text expansion which can run python scripts so actually like when i have a meeting with my colleagues in the uk i have a little like if i type hashtag meeting i can type in uh, a time and which time zones everyone is in. And it gives me a little text snippet of my time zone that I'm suggesting and their time zone. Because like time zones are so wonky. Which which direction is it if you're in the UK? Which direction is it if I'm in Europe? And like just having like small things that make life easier. And of course, then all the automations that you can run and all that stuff. So I, yeah, I think it like, is, it is definitely a superpower. And you don't even have to be like, extremely good at this you just have to like i kind of think of this like all the way back like i'm a i'm very clearly a millennial from which what i'm talking about now back in the day on myspace we (laughs) used to like change our our uh html and stuff and just hack the thing to make it as cool as possible and to kind of flex on our friends and i feel like i'm doing a lot of this today with just like um I didn't like a thing that Gmail does, so I'm using a Google Apps script, which is like janky JavaScript. Like I, I'm not a JavaScript developer, but I, I learned enough to just just do damage and just to sort my emails in a certain way that I want. And just these small like scripts that you can use, they they make life so much easier for me and enable me to do so much more. And I think for for a lot of other people as well, like um, code, uh, code can be a huge amplifier. So we we have this reach that was never there before, especially for like underrepresented minorities. You can you can use a lot of of like coding, but also like of course like social media that comes from it and all that stuff to actually make your voice heard and to collaborate and to work together to, well, to 
work on making this place a little bit more equitable. I know it's because it's an amplifier, it can also already go in the other way. So it, you have to be intentional about it. The technology mostly doesn't care. So you have to be ethical about it. But yeah, so it, it can be a force for good if you are someone that applies it in a good way, I'd say. Do you have a particular call to action for listeners? Do, is there anything you'd like people to contact you about, whether it's to collaborate or just to get in touch? So I I really hope I'm, I'm getting that spot at EuroSciPy, but otherwise look out for the Python conferences where I'm doing the, the workshop or tutorial or whichever format it is, because like the more the merrier and that would make me really happy. Um, otherwise, I, I write a weekly newsletter about which is machine learning focused, but I always write about like stuff that I do. And if I'm looking for like collaborators, it's it's always there because it's like my small community. So definitely check that out. And like, if you like, <laughs> and that is a good way to to stay in touch and to to collaborate, I, I think. And otherwise, all my social media is open. Like I accept everyone on LinkedIn. So I've had the funniest requests uh, reach out. And like if if someone, I, I don't know how to do it. I just know if someone writes a request in just the right way, it usually happens. Like uh, I had uh, Monique Kuglitsch from the Fraunhofer Institute reach out to me to for something that I I didn't even know exists and now I'm working on it, which is like this ITU report, which is amazing. Like but yeah, like she she somehow found the right words and right interest in me to to keep me like to to pull me in. And yeah, social media definitely works, but like if I'm I want collaborators is probably happening on my newsletter. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Thank you so much for having me. And like for everyone listening, definitely apply as a as a fellow because the community and the support that you get here is amazing. I feel very privileged for for being accepted here and like definitely try because I didn't I I did not believe I would get in. Like I I sent this out and I'm like, "Ah, like whatever." doesn't hurt to try like you miss 100% of the shots you don't take and yeah like I I somehow got in I'm I'm still waiting for the oh no we made a mistake but it hasn't come so far so we're just gonna ride with it and yeah thank you so much if you have any questions you can share them on twitter using hashtag code for thought thanks for listening